Welcome to the Baseball STL Podcast. JJ Bailey here with you once again. Marie Strumman, Sports Director for KMOV. Mike, Steve, Ritter. Hello. On the boards. Michael, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Went to the game last night. Couldn't it's tell stuff. you. It's going to tell you anything stuff. that happened. Thrilling stuff. Mo, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. It's uh, We're talking about heat these days here in St. Louis. We, we have hit summer. And so, you know, we start to at some point get to the dog day. I don't think we're at the dog days yet. but um, I think we were in the dog days in, in late May. <laughs> it was like 100 degrees. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, we, we've got some, uh, we got some heat. So we'll see if the, uh, how the Cardinals, uh, you know, see, can they get as hot as the weather? Well, this is, a, this is exciting stuff, Mike, because I'm not nearly as angry this week. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to be a lot more positive. We'll you know see. what? Hey, I'm we'll see you. how it ends the, up. You know what? I'm, I'm going to defend you. How the turns have I'm going to defend you because I don't think that you were angry. I think that Disapp- I'm not. You know what? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mom. Well, look at the look at the way they were playing, right? No, I agree. I think a lot of my oh, I think all of my criticism was justified. But I know that it can get tiresome to hear uh, a constant negative <clears throat> negative energy the whole time. So I'm going to try and bring it up a little bit. You know, we're doing a little bit earlier in the day. My energy's up. Blood sugar's good. <laughs> little zen. I slept a little bit. But let's start out. All right, well, so, so last night, you know, last night, uh, Jack Flaherty, who had been um, just unbelievable, yeah, uh, got roughed up by the, the Indians. And, I mean, he had, he had something like six hits allowed in his last, like, 18 innings, like two runs in his last 18 innings. I mean, he was just mowing through people. And... During the, the big three this week, I think the third item on the big three for Monday, Brendan wrote it this week, and, and it was that Jack Flaherty, you know, this was going to be Jack Flaherty's year, uh, but it was next year. Like, this was the year of Alex Reyes. How, you know, Jack Flaherty was supposed to be a year away. And now he's a co-ace. And he's, and he's very much here, and he has arrived, and there is no more like, boy, he's going to be good. He's just good. Um, what you saw against the Indians is, Mike, right before we started recording, you said this, is like, the Indians are a good team. That, you know, this is the kind of thing that, like, this is, supposed, this is supposed to happen once in a while. Sure. And you could kind of tell, you know, when, when guys, you know, they just had the game where they just don't have it, you could tell, like, Flaherty was leaving uh, balls up in the zone. He was pumping fastballs kind of right down wheelhouses. And that's just, you know, that's fatigue. That's also a product of throwing in 100-degree heat at 8 o'clock at night <laughs> uh, with 60% humidity. I mean, you're just not going to be as sharp. You just wear out. And that, that's kind of what it looked like, I thought. Um, however... I think it's pretty clear uh, that if they're going to have any shot at this, and they did have a you know a four-game win streak mm-hmm. uh, in which they scored 26 different runs or different runs, of course, 26 runs. Mm-hmm. Um, their bullpen uh, had kind of shaped up. This they were starting to look like the best possible version of what this team could be. But I think it's if that run's going to continue. Uh, you cannot you know Michael Walker went down. You like Jack Flaherty's it. He's the last you know he's the last. Uh, bullet in the chamber that can keep this thing on the tracks. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, I, I think so. I mean, I from think, a pitching standpoint. Yeah. Well, you got. Well, let's see what you have now. As we, uh, you know, about to um, say goodbye to the month of June here. Um, you're going to have Miles Michaelis. You have a Jack Flaherty. These are the guys right now at the top of your rotation. I think the question is, you know, when the year started. You know, could you imagine a scenario that these two guys could possibly be leading? This is the key to your your yeah. season. Yeah, and this <laughs> is where we are because look, you know, Walker with with the uh, 
with the oblique. We don't know how, when he's going to be back. I mean, I mean that thing is 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 so tenuous. I mean, you, you can't tell what's going to happen with an oblique. So you don't know when you can get him back. Uh, maybe the linchpin of this thing, Carlos Martinez, your ace hasn't really looked like your your ace. Uh, maybe except maybe for the last three innings of that of that mm-hmm. Cleveland game. Um, he finally seemed to get it together. Yeah, when you get eight runs of support, I think you, you can settle You can breathe on. a little easier. Yeah, because yeah, he gave up two in the top of the first of that game, and then you're like, oh, here we go again. But yeah. the, the pressure around, yeah. is off. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And boy, did he need that. And, you know, I think the thing with Carlos, you know, we, we've talked about him time after time. Uh, I think when you have the tradition here of what an ace looks like, go back to Bob Gibson, go back no, and not too recent, uh, not you know, not too far back with a with a Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright when he was Adam Wainwright yeah, when he was winning his twenty and nineteen games. Yeah, yeah. People in St. Louis know what an ace looks like and and what an ace shapes up to be and what kind of responsibility it is and and what it means, um, you know, optically as well. And there's just times when you know Carlos has the talent. He is the ace. He's the best pitcher. But at times, you know, for whatever reason, you know, he's he's you know he he seems to get off the track. He has you know he's got the hair. You know, there's some things that I don't think in some cities, to tell you the truth, people would make a big deal about no. in, in terms of Carlos. You know, sometime I think St. Louis can be too buttoned up, stodgy, stodgy. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, Carlos also hasn't helped himself in the way. You know, maybe carrying himself in that way as well. Yeah, I think that's that's and not to go too deep down this rabbit hole. I think you know, making a big deal out of a guy's hair or his arm sleeve or whatever is is nonsense to me. But as an athlete, you know, especially in an athlete in this market, you know, that's going to be something that they're going to talk about. Uh, whether that's fair or not is kind of immaterial. They're going to talk about it. They, I don't think that should – like no one should care that Marcelo Zuna has a lime green arm sleeve. It does not matter to anyone at all except for uh, seemingly a particular announcer for the Fox Bowl un, unnamed at this point. But that's, that doesn't matter. But you know that that's stuff that people will that, – that's a nit that people will pick, right? And the hair for Carlos is a nit that people will pick. And that stuff all goes away when you have a 1.69 ERA and you're striking everybody out, or if you're Marcelo Zuna, uh, all of a sudden you start hitting home runs and doubles and right. you start looking like, nobody talks about it then. So it's one of those things where it's like, for an athlete, you're going to have to manage that because the second the performance drops off, that comes right back onto the docket to talk about. Mm-hmm. Is that like, well, is his blue hair, like he's, you know, if he spent as much time on his pitching as his blue hair, you know. So that's something that they're going to have to deal with, but that's why when you're a guy like Carlos, and you have a lot of the like the like, some flamboyancy to your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just you become a lightning rod. You just you you have to know that that is coming. Yeah. So like how you handle that also like how you mentally prepare to handle that criticism also probably informs how much it affects your play. But if you're not pitching well, that's the first stuff that people want to talk about. They can't talk about it when you're pitching well because then they don't. There is no excuse. Correct. So yeah, I I feel bad for him. But again. To, they need to, him to, to round this back. Yeah, like the, this is a run of of games for the Cardinals where they were on life support, and for them to rattle off the wins that they did and to look the way that they did, uh, everyone goes, "Well, who? Okay, so who are these? Who is this team? Uh, is this for real? Is this just like a kind of a a, a dead cat bounce, if you will?" Um, I think. 
like you said, if Michaelis and Flaherty are the engine driving your rotation and uh, you don't have Carlos Martinez, I think sustaining this run uh, becomes a much longer shot. Mm-hmm. I think, is that fair? Yeah. That without, without you, if he starts going, you can start making the case that if the, the bullpen couldn't perform that badly forever. So if you just got them back to like an average bullpen right. and you have three starters that you can count on, all of a sudden – I can see, now you can see him hanging in the race a little bit. Yeah. But over this streak, this is this is kind of like leading into this is this is sort of like a do you buy it sort of podcast on this. And I think what you've seen over that run, especially in the offense, is guys who were just brutal start to look like oh maybe these maybe they're coming around. And the question, when we put out mailbag questions uh, yesterday or two days ago, and one of the questions was, uh, do you buy, is, is Dexter Fowler, is there anything under, under just like looking at him, anything underneath that suggests that he's coming around, that suggests that Colton Wong is coming around, and, and suggests that Matt Carpenter is all the way back. So let's start, well, before we get to those two, let's start with Matt Carpenter. Okay. Because what you've seen from Matt Carpenter has been – all-star. Just vintage. So in the last month, he had eight home runs, right? Last like 30 days. He had eight home runs. Seven of those have come in the last two weeks. Mm. He is, over the last week of games, during this run, he's hitting 524. He's slugging 1,000. Two bombs, four doubles, 11 hits, five RBI. This is, you know, to borrow the phrase, I'd say, like, tales of Matt Carpenter's demise were greatly exaggerated. Well, I mean, I I love what we've seen from this guy because, you know, we talked about this last week, um, and this was a point that I threw out about kind of the the pride of the Cardinals or the Cardinals' last stand, and I felt like that it kind of fell back on Yachty and Carpenter being sort of those two links to, you know, that, that cardinal pride or that, that, that heartbeat. And, and, I, and we saw Yachty basically come out after that Thursday night game, that disaster mm-hmm. against Milwaukee. He hits two, you know, Yachty hits two bombs and all is right with the world again. Um, but let me go back to, to Carpenter. Carpenter was a guy who, and, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't we say, Mike, that all three of us pretty much said at the beginning of the year in terms of maybe a, a, a preseason MVP that, Matt Carpenter would probably have to be that guy. Yeah, we, we talked a lot about how the offense didn't really have an identity at the beginning of the year because you had Marcelo Zuna, who you expected to be the middle of the lineup guy, and he really didn't start like that, and you didn't know what to expect from him. You hoped for the best, but you had to, you had to say, like, well, really, your two guys are kind of Matt Carpenter and Yachty because Tommy Pham obviously had a great year last year, but he suffers from injuries a lot. You don't know what you'll get out of him. So you, we talked about how Carpenter – and Yachty would have to be those guys. And in this stretch of pretty good offensive baseball, at least, those two have been the guys. Yeah, and Carpenter, listen, this is, this is a vintage Matt Carpenter run. Oh, yeah. This is a Matt Carpenter run where he's going to hit a double or he's going to hit it hard somewhere. There are points when he's hot, and we've seen this over the last seven years with this guy, when there's a ball that's anywhere over the plate it's going to be hit, it's going to be hit hard, and it's going to be a line drive, and this is vintage Matt Carpenter. Well, you take so the Milwaukee and Cleveland series, right? Uh, I'd, I'd argue that the Milwaukee, once you went down 11-3, to 
this was this is critical time, right? This is when we were we were starting to you know the crows were or the crow the vultures are circling the oh, crows there. So those seven games, he went eleven for twenty four. No, excuse me, twelve for twenty four. Scored eleven runs, four doubles, three homers, six RBIs, six walks. You can't get any. You that can't is, get any hotter than that. You need what is so admirable about Matt Carpenter from an outsider's perspective is that he just seems to have it when you need it. You know, when he when he tore up the Dodgers in that series, oh. uh, it was it two two playoff appearances ago, I believe. Yeah. Like. Even though he had been kind Smash of struggling, Kershaw. he's had five home runs already mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Like Herman off Kershaw, he is like I don't know how many times he can do this, but it really does seem when when the Cardinals are on life support, he seems to, even if it's a, a flare up over seven days, he seems to elevate his performance at the plate enough to save their lives, at least or at least prolong their lives. And this is a long time argument slash discussion we've had uh, with him. He's always doing it at the top of the order. Mm-hmm. They keep yeah. putting him at third. He keeps tanking. They put him at the top of the order, and he thrives. I don't, I don't understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do not understand this. There is no earthly reason. I said I wouldn't get mad. I said I wouldn't <laughs> get mad about that. There's no earthly reason that a, a professional hitter can hit at one spot in the lineup but cannot hit in the other. And not that's him. Not just like, oh, he hits a little differently. Just like no, like he's a different his, animal. His abilities just bleed out of him if he's not in the leadoff. And I don't understand because the leadoff spot in the order really only matters one time in a game. He's comfortable there, and you know what? And he will I, sit there and say time after time, "No, it's not. You know, I, I don't make a big deal about it. I don't have the no. He's a different it's guy, different ball player. It's super. I don't." <laughs> I don't. Someone someday is going to have to explain this to me. He can't explain through science. it. Science, like we, I need to get some scientific proof that there's not just like a witch that steals his abilities whenever he moves to the three spot. It's uncanny. <sighs> Where were? Oh, we were moving on. Okay, okay so, so a couple of these, so that was Matt Carpenter. So Matt Carpenter. So a couple of these other guys, and I'm going to preface this with, I'm going to do my best to not get too into the numbers because I know it's very difficult to listen to. Um, but the question was asked, is there some underlying evidence that can tell me that Dexter Fowler and Colton Wong are turning it around? And the short answer to that is, well, actually, what do you guys think? Before I get into it, because I've, I've got my mathematical theories here, so before I get into it, uh, true or false, Dexter Fowler, he's trending toward, he's getting back on track. In your opinion, from the eye test. Okay. Mike is shaking his head no. The optimist in me says yes, but okay. it's face value, it's hard to, to say that that's true. I'm going to say that he's getting better, and I'll tell you why. Okay, if we're going to look at pure numbers, you say, eek. But I've been looking at the way he's been hitting the ball. He, yeah. The ball's been coming stronger off his bat. Mm-hmm. Now... I don't know what that means, but I'm, but you, you're asking me, show me something that says he's getting better. Mm-hmm. The average is still in the 160s, but I've seen harder hit balls coming from Dexter Fowler. Is that fair? Yep. So well, I'll there's s- some proof of that. Yeah. So I'll say on the eye test that, I, that there is some signs of life. Okay. Now, Colton Wong, your thoughts on – is Colton Wong – is Colton Wong coming around? Is he rounding into form, or is this just kind of 
uh, a decep deception in terms of recency bias. Yeah, the, the recency bias would be a big thing. I would think he is, but it, it just seems like the past few weeks when you've needed to clutch it, it's always been Colton Wong. Right. Um, and that's and that's I don't point. I, I don't know if any other time during the game he's really doing that besides you know when, that, when, that Philadelphia game when, when you, you needed that it, hit. Yeah. It's like Colton Wong's coming up. We're probably going to get this here, and he, he does it. Well, so, if I need a hit batter. Yeah, oh yeah, well, uh, like twice that's my last guy. Night. Twice go, last night, yeah. go, go sign uh, John Jay. Yeah. Man, man made a career out of it. Yeah. So I, you know, this isn't the definitive answer, but I will say, based on on, on what we're looking at here, uh, Colton Wong. There's every indication that this is for real, that he is hitting better, and that a lot of this is luck turning a little bit. Dexter Fowler, not as much. Dexter Fowler, jury's still out. So I know I like those. You check in 28, 14, 17 days, see how you're trending, right? He is roughly about the same except for the last few days. So, like, the last month and the last two weeks are about the same. He's slugging a little better. He's getting on base a little bit better. But it really hasn't been to the last few days that his average has gone up, um, that his that – his, Balls in play percentage has gone up. Part of the thing is he is hitting the ball hard. Yeah. It's, it's the third best hard hit percentage of his career. He's at 32.4% of balls he's hitting hard, which is pretty much, pretty much tied for second. The problem is he's getting the barrel of the bat on the ball way, way lower than in previous years. He's only barreling 3.1% of balls that he hits, and that's considerably lower and it's almost half of what the average MLB mm. percentage is. That's been a problem. Because when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting it hard, but he's very rarely getting the barrel of the bat on the yeah. ball. And part of this is bad luck for him, right? So his batting average on balls in play, which is everything that's in play that you hit, what is your average? MLB average is around 300. So that's about the standard. If you put a ball in play, you should hit around 300. When guys are, have a batting average on balls in play like 500, they're getting real lucky. They're just hitting it where people aren't. And when it's way low, they're, they're getting real unlucky. Everyone's standing where they're hitting it, right? Now, the shift affects it some, but it averages out over time. So his season average for that at last check, and this is probably like a day old at this point, was 199, right? So that's real bad luck. It's a, it's a product of ugly contact and bad luck. So 199, you should be, there should be some room for coming back up, and you should be start to get better results. The issue is, even over the last, like, 14 days, you're in the 220s. You're in the 230s. Yeah. It's just not there, – there's nothing to indicate that it's all bad luck. Some of it is just, like, he's just having a bad year. Yeah, so that's like, the thing. I mean, yeah. do you say to a guy, well, hey, let's, let's see what he does by the end of July. It's like, it's like wait a minute, you know? Yeah. The season still, is – Still early. You know, <laughs> you know I mean, it, we're almost, we're almost uh, you know, three-fourths of the way through the season, man. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty it, – this is a pretty ridiculously awful year for him. And, you know, obviously when you look at the um, – th there's a point, too, where – and it, it's funny because Mike Matheny is – you know, he's probably notoriously loyal to his veterans. Uh, to see him hitting, um, you know, almost at the bottom of the order before Wong and the pitcher, to see mm -hmm. Dexter Fowler's name that low mm -hmm. has shown you that, you know, Mike Matheny has also moved on and not given up on him, but, you know, we're not going to keep playing that game 
of I got to show my guy that I'm still having. No, you, no. you're going at the bottom of the order where you can't hurt us. Well, and I'm sh- I'm not the only person in the universe that looked this up. I think the, certainly the people in the analytics department there are looking at this and saying like, boy, like there's if he, not if he whole, plays at all. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of room for encouragement here. Like you know, I think this is just a bad. You know, people have bad years or bad first halves. But not even hitting 200. Yeah, I mean that's real. That's yeah. to to be below 200. That's a combination of bad luck and Below ugly, 180? Uh, ugly swings. But that's the thing is even when he's hitting well, some of that is the luck turning around. The underlying issue doesn't seem to be improving. Now, the difference is for Colton Wong, everything on the paper says, oh, no. This is what you're seeing now is, is what you should have been seeing for a while. His stats have steadily improved over the last month. His, his OPS 28 days ago was 777. Uh, 14 days ago, it was 881. A week ago, over the last week, it's 983. Hmm. It's steadily climbing. Every time you check back on him, his numbers a week later are better. Yeah, and like Mike said, I mean, he's had a couple big moments. Think about this for Dexter Fowler. If he doesn't hit the walk-off against the <laughs> Cubs on that Sunday night that became a Monday morning baseball game, boy, where would we be with Dexter mm-hmm. Fowler? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you look at – so, like, part of it is I was looking like – is Wong doing something differently? Like, when I was trying to find out why, why he struggled, right? This might surprise you. So, like, he's having a really bad luck on balls in play. His batting average on balls in play is, like, 215. That's too low. It's the lowest of his career by a wide margin. So that tells you you're getting some bad luck, right? It's steadily climbing. Okay, so now the luck is evening out with him. But the more important thing is people thought, you know, Colton Wong is chasing everything. He's having the best year in, for plate discipline of his career, hmm. he's chasing. The only, he swung at twenty four pitch twenty four percent of pitches outside of the zone. That's the lowest of his career. Yeah. He's making contact on strikes right in line with his career average. He is not striking out more than usual, and more importantly, you know how he always gets himself in the hole. He always gets chased swings at that first pitch. His first pitch swinging percentage is down to the lowest of his career. So he has actually changed his approach and for a good chunk of time was not getting any of the results. His barrel percentage, you know, the amount of times you make contact with the sweet spot of the bat right there, his career average is 3.3. This season, 4.7. Hmm. Hardest hit percentage, highest since 2015. Everything on paper says he's taking a better approach at the plate, he's making better contact, He's swinging at less pitches. He's not putting himself in a hole on the first pitch. And he's rocking the ball when he hits it. It just wasn't going well for him. And you go back and look at it now, now you're starting to see, like, this is the kind of thing where, like, do you buy a guy's turnaround? Do you think this is for real? When you look at the DNA of this, everything on these numbers, which I know can be very hard to listen to in a long string, every one of those says, no, this guy is hitting well this year. He's getting bad results. Well, that's why you have analytics, and then. But if you're just a, a fan and you don't understand any of that stuff, and you well, just if you're, and you're, most players don't care about any of that stuff. Tommy yeah. Pham is a notable exception, but yeah. Yeah. Well, right. And well, if you're just using the eye test, you just look at Colton Wong and say, "Man, guy can't hit." Yeah. Great, <laughs> great on defense. But great yeah. on defense. And this is if you can get him to just like a league average OPS plus. Right? All just those a, guys. A, be- if you get him to a, just an average hitter, his defense is so good that he is invaluable to you. And what I'm saying with these numbers is, to put it shortly, he's hitting the ball harder, he's swinging at less bad pitches, he's getting a lot of bad luck. 
this is a guy that to me should be an all-star second baseman. Not now, but like if you look at where this can go, right? He can be better than an average hitter. The DNA here is an above average hitter and an all-star elite level defender. And I think that's why the Cardinals haven't, you know, people talk about they should get rid of him or trade him or like get him out of the lineup. That's why they haven't because if you can see the foundation of what he's doing at the plate and then you can watch what he's doing in the field, this he has the potential to be a tremendous tremendous player for the for the organization especially one that does not have good defenders well let me be dr phil here uh one thing that that's not been brought up with colton wong is is the confidence factor you yeah. know and and that's what people is you know when we, we can talk analytics all we want but sometimes you have to look at you know the surroundings and and the things that that affect the player and i think there are times when colton wong uh as a professional athlete Sometimes I don't think that he has the confidence to go up there at times and to get himself out of this thing. You know, I mean, I know I'm trying to get inside his brain here, but I think there's something to this. You know, Colton Wong has been a player who goes up and down in terms of emotions. And I'm I'm just saying that, you know, I know what the numbers say. And I know, but, but sometimes you can look at a guy and you can just kind of get that feeling that, you know, he's just not. He's just not feeling it sometimes. Yeah. No, I can I can he is a guy that's that's powered a lot by raw energy, right? And raw energy can fuel you to a, a new level and it can also turn on you and it can it can be destructive. And there has been, I think, during certainly during the early parts of his career, the idea of balancing the ledger. Um, we did a long story on that, oh geez, like three years ago now. But it was a guy who can make plays that maybe one percent of other second basemen can make, mm-hmm. uh, and he was kind of a Matheny whipping boy. Yes, and he would have this, but then he would misplay balls that a hundred percent of other second basemen <laughs> could make. And it was this balancing the ledger where, like, once he misplayed a ball like that, he would try to make up for it yeah. either by trying something that was beyond the realm of possibility, yeah. or trying to hit the home run at the plate. This guy fights himself. Yeah, he's. I, I think he's in, in really the my favorite story that I ever did with him was the idea that he was learning to accept, you know, sticking in the major leagues is about being consistently good, not occasionally great. Occasionally great's fine, but you only keep that job if you're consistently good. And part of it was him reckoning with that idea and learning that being consistently good, like giving up the pursuit for like greatness at all times to ensure that you are consistently good. And if you noticed, his play in the field has steadied. He doesn't misplay those balls that, you haven't know, that, seen that, that make no. your eyes fall out of your head. No. You're just like, who, who would miss that? Yeah, haven't seen that. He has steadied himself at the field, and I think in the field, and I think that at the plate, we are seeing now the payoff to him having done that earlier in the year and just getting bad luck. Like, he seems more level. And I think that the, the problem with that early season is if you're doing everything right and nothing's working out for you it takes a lot of discipline to not just collapse in on yourself Mm -hmm. you know Matt Carpenter should teach a class in that because I don't know how many seasons he started out where you're just like is this the end for Matt Carpenter and then all of a sudden you know 
whether it takes him a week or two months, he just stays with it. We're gonna he have to see it. out of it. We have to see that now with Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham on the post game show. Tommy Pham's a guy I worry about being able to do that. Well, did, uh, don't tell him I said that. Well, <laughs> well, he he listens. I guarantee. <laughs> well, Tommy's one of those guys. You know, he he understands. Like I said, he's a student of the game. I mean, he knows what everyone's. If you saw the uh, the, the post game show on on Fox Midwest. And he was talking about, he says, yeah, you know, Matt Carpenter was at 140 on such and such a date, you know. And oh, he, he said, knows. Well, that conversation I had about barrel percentage and BAPIP and all that. He knows all of that. He, he, would, he loves that stuff. He loves he it. He stuff. is, a, I mean, he is a junkie when it terms to, you know, come to, to numbers. But he's also a guy that he's really, really intense. And, you know, he said how, look, I'm going to spend my day off trying to get this thing together. So the question for a guy like Tommy Pham, you know, is there a point where he can maybe – you know, has to back away for a minute because he just he just grinds, man, and and, and he does, and he's not going to crumble like under the pressure, like he's not a guy that's just going to like become depressed and, and all of a sudden just kind of give up. That's that's not what I'm saying. It's more that he is so intense and he demands such an insane level of performance from himself. Yeah, that I do think that there can be a detrimental effect to constantly chasing this level of performance that in order to reach at all but sustain requires no sleep you know constant workouts yeah. and also it requires he's making himself into wants to make himself into one of the best baseball players in the game today you know he was chasing the fastest guys he was doing the the treadmill running and he was like well i got to get my flatline speed up to this because this is what uh billy what hamilton it? it was hamilton and was it uh jbj Oh, Jackie Bradley. Yeah, like he yeah. was, he was, he's chasing guys that physically, no disrespect to Tommy Pham, are more gifted naturally. Mm -hmm. And he was going to engineer himself to be that fast. And when you're pursuing things like that, I think a sustained dip in production, I think that you can just grind on you to the point where you get emotionally exhausted, even if you don't realize that's happening. Yeah. Well, he knows, he was talking about his swing. He says, I've had a technical flaw in my swing, he said, for about six weeks. I mean, he knows the exact point where he lost his swing, you know? So uh, hopefully the guy is, um, you know, is, like you said, is, is not going to you know, get and I don't think he will. I think he's, no, I just he's, think he's pretty he, headstrong. You he, can tie yourself into knots when you, you are basically creating universal soldier, right? Like every every bit of his game, he studied down to like a molecular level. Mm -hmm. So if that's your approach, uh, when that doesn't work, I think the, the instinct is to just try harder, and I think that's how you can end up maybe pushing yourself too far. Yep. What have you thought? Mike, take us around the league. Or, well, first of all, yeah, let's, so, look yeah let's look ahead really quick. So We absolutely have to get to the last thing on this list. Oh, we, we do. So we got the Braves in for a weekend series. Uh, should be a fun one. First um, place Braves. First place Braves. <laughs> Uh, and then they head out on the West Coast road trip, three in Phoenix, and then Yikes. four in San Francisco. So that should be it. That's, you know, those West Coast, even though those teams, Arizona's fallen off a little bit, San Francisco's Still. pretty average, those West Coast trips can be a real tell, especially as you head late in the season. I think the Giants are going to be buyers. I think so, too. I think they're kind of all in, you know, in the way they kind of put that team together. I know Evan Longoria's hurt, mm -hmm. but, you know, you went and got McCutcheon and, uh, you know, uh, Bumgarner's, you know. Well, and you're forgetting the most important part. It's an even year. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why? How could I forget? Yeah. This is their time. So yeah. I, I think we got to watch them. Yeah. So after that trip, then they get uh, two in Chicago against the White Sox and then three Garbage. against the Reds before the break. Garbage. Yeah. I, I can't get over the fact that the Cubs cannot beat the Reds. Yeah, they got swept four game. That's crazy. It's, it is unreal to me. <laughs> yeah. The Cardinals just, they, they can't wait to play the Reds and the Cubs are just dreading them. Yeah. Also, the White Sox are just the worst. I feel yeah. so bad for the fan base over there. But... I think the Cardinals, this is, okay, here we go. Last thought on the schedule. This, if this is for real, if this is sustainable, this is not a flash in the pan, dead cat bounce, whatever, you'll see it on this road trip, right? Because a listing Arizona, San Francisco, good, but not, I mean, they're, they're, they're beatable. They're certainly beatable. Mm-hmm. White Sox and Reds, who are just like literally free wins for you at this point. They're like a, they're like a rig slot machine. If this <laughs> is, if this team is actually going to make a charge here, uh, this is the road trip to show it, right? I mean, this yeah. is it. Yeah. So, all right, take us around baseball. All right, so a couple things that I noticed with the standings, the American League is just a lot better than the National League this year. You have four teams that are really proven it in the American League. It's the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, and surprisingly the Mariners are playing really well. Um, but there are, the, the, all four of those teams have 50 wins. Not a single team in the National League has 50 wins. So, And, of course, there is that there are very, very good teams in the American League. Oh, and yeah. There are it's very, very, very bad teams. Um, so that's that's probably part of that. Also, a quick note, I think we might have cursed Mike Trout. We've been talking really good things, but he's still playing really well. Still playing really well. But uh, in this, over the past, I think it's the past week, he's 5 for 22. Uh, his on base, which I believe is still above league average, is, is dipped down uh, to 393. He's only oh. slugging, though, 227, which during that same time period, Chris Davis has a higher slugging percentage. Chris Davis, 259. <laughs> you know, he, he finally got a bomb on the board. One thing so about what you're telling me is Chris Davis has Chris Davis. You're buying on Chris Davis and you're selling on Mike Trout. Yeah, buy low, sell high, right? <laughs> I think we missed our bright, opportunity. Hey. Trout burned bright, but he's gone. It's the it's it's the Chris Davis era once again. Well, essentially, what you're saying is is that Trout is now human instead of cyborg. Yes, still excellent, unbelievable baseball player, but not. Uh, a machine He's not that like we Infinity saw. gauntlets on both hands. <laughs> yeah, plays. right. Yeah. Now this. Oh, just goodness. go for it. I I threw this on here because I knew you'd love it. Did you see this? By the way, did you see this thing about Archie Bradley? With the uh, so Archie Bradley had, carrying stuff around in his pants. Yeah. yeah. So Archie Bradley <laughs> went on a podcast. Went on a podcast and announced a story in which um, he knew he was going to have to go to the game or go into the game, and he went to the bathroom. And he and he pooped himself. Like he was rushing. Like that he, wasn't his idea. He didn't go in there to do that. <laughs> he went in there. I think he went in there to like pee or something. Right. And he was rushing, and uh, much like my two-month-old son, just like all of a sudden there was a fresh brown t- trout in the huggies there. <laughs> and so he had to come out. He's like two pitches away from going in to the game. He had to come out after having pooped himself, run into a baseball game and pitch. And from what he said, he doesn't really remember what happened, but he said it was a clean inning. <laughs> is that not – that is – you're a grown man. How does That's, this happen? You know, all I can say is this. Um, it took some concentration it, uh, to go out there and uh, keep your mind on what you're doing. Now, my question is, he, he cleaned up before he went in the game, or he just rushed the whole cleanup process? I think he rushed – I think he uh, I think he missed some – Okay, <laughs> so he took. All right. It wasn't clean properly. I think was the was the uh, baseball players are disgusting. That's especially crazy. relief pitchers. Relief pitchers are, <laughs> are just. Right. 
Yeah, horse just, of a different color. They're just disgusting. That's crazy. I don't think I've never had to perform under those circumstances. I don't think. And I don't think mm-hmm. I've gone out for a sports cast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think in, so. In, in, a, suit, in that in, way, in yeah. A suit and, uh, I've some, never some huggies underneath there. I've never done that. No. That is that is bananas. And I we'll wrap this up. But I think next time you should write down some of the stories that you've heard. I've had a couple favorite ones when they cut. I think it was Hideo Nomo's suits. When he came over, they cut all the sleeves off his suits, so he had cut off. Sh- but he didn't know that that was like a fun thing to do, that it was a prank. Because it's, you know, it's coming from a different culture where it's very like, right. respect forward. He got over here, it was like the first week, they cut up all of his suits. And he thought they just hated him. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah, I uh, good for Archie Bradley, man. That's a true professional. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back again next week. Enjoy this off day if you're listening to it. For Maurice Drummond, I'm J.J. Bailey. You can follow Maurice at Maurice Drummond. Follow me at the J.J. Bailey. Our Valiant producer, Mike, as always. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Steve Ritter. Uh, be nice to each other and keep those pants clean. Yeah.